Good morning. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing good. It's great to see you all uh, this morning. And if you're visiting with us, a special welcome to you. And uh, thank you for, for choosing to be with us uh, this morning. We're Shore Elam Church. Uh, my name is uh, Sif, and I am the uh, pastor here. And uh, it's always a pleasure to see uh, new people coming uh, in. Um, today we're starting a new uh, four-part series called Under the Sun, and it's a series based out of the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, has anyone read Ecclesiastes? It's said to be one of the hardest books to kind of fully understand, and I learned that after I'd picked it for a series. So uh, here we go. This is going to be fun. This is going to be an experience. Uh, But we're going to be doing that over the next four weeks, and in part four uh, of the series, we're going to be anointing everyone um, for blessing and protection uh, and empowerment for life in 2019 and for ministry. Uh, So we often do an anointing service at the beginning of the year, uh, and we'll just be doing uh, the anointing as part of part four uh, of this series, and uh, when we get to part four, you'll understand why it fits in there. And so I encourage you right at the start of the series to, to get along to each Sunday and catch the messages firsthand, um, as if you can. And if not, uh, then as Phil mentioned, uh, jump online and uh, listen in, because each Sunday uh, with Abraham and I speaking is intended to build on the one before it. And so uh, we don't want anyone to kind of miss out or to come in later on thinking or feeling that they've missed something uh, in the previous weeks. And so uh, get along on Sunday, and if you miss a Sunday, jump online and have a listen to the messages on there on on the podcast. But in kicking off this morning, I want to set the scene uh, for the coming weeks and focus in on uh, chapter one. So uh, that's going to be fun because there's like 12 chapters in the whole book. Uh, We're not going to be doing a chapter a week and go for 12 weeks, even though uh, we probably can. Um, But Abraham and I will do uh, the best we can to kind of bring uh, the book to you. And so I'm going to start in chapter 1 and introduce some key thoughts uh, for us to keep in mind uh, as we go through Ecclesiastes. But let's just pray uh, before we get into this morning's message. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, your Holy Spirit, who is, uh, Father, the true interpreter of your word. And we thank you, Father, for the Holy Spirit that you have given us, Father, to speak uh, into our lives, into our hearts, Lord, and into our relationship with you. And so, Father, we just commit this morning to you, Father, I just commit this message uh, to you, Lord, and ask, Father, that you would uh, just uh, multiply it again uh, this morning just to every ear uh, and to every individual, Father, that they would hear from you, Lord, what is for them uh, this morning. And, Father, we just pray and open our hearts to you right now, that you may be glorified in this place. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen, amen. So Ecclesiastes is uh, known as one of the wisdom books uh, in the Old Testament, and it's a book that's set in the backdrop of Israel's history. So King David has died, and uh, Solomon has now become the king. And halfway into Solomon's reign as king, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is written about his thoughts and about his experiences uh, in life. And a whole lot of questions that King Solomon now starts to ask about what is life about and and the meaning 
of life. Uh, but the word Ecclesiastes is translated from the Greek word koheleth, koheleth. And I had to practice that for quite a while, so um, it's pretty right according to what Google says, as much as Google can be trusted. But koheleth means preacher, it means speaker, and it means teacher. And because it indicates uh, an author's title or the role of an author rather, rather than an author's name, uh, it's believed uh, by some and, and disputed that uh, whether or not Solomon himself wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, there are clear indications uh, right throughout the book that uh, Solomon uh, is the writer or maybe the writer, uh, but it could be that there was a combination of Solomon writing certain parts of the book and then a scribe or a writer uh, writing some of the book as, as we see in other books in the Bible. Uh, but the most commonly agreed on scenario is that Solomon is referring to himself as the teacher and the preacher in the third person. Either way, what is very clear uh, to everyone is that we're to identify Solomon as the primary figure right at the outset. And so when we head into uh, Ecclesiastes 1 verse 1, it says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And so here we have the first reference uh, to Solomon. It goes on in verse 2 and it says, Vanities of vanities, says the preacher. Vanities of vanities, all is vanity. Now, there's a funny term to have in there. Uh, and I want to spend a bit of time here in verse 2 because understanding uh, this phrase right at the start uh, of uh, the book of Ecclesiastes sets us up for what's to come. And if you're reading a different translation to the King James uh, or to the New King James, then your translation will say something slightly different. Uh, it might say uh, meaningless. So in the NIV and the NLT, it uses the word meaningless, and it says everything is meaningless, um, uh, completely meaningless. And if you're reading from the Message Bible, it uses the word smoke, and it goes on to say in that verse, oh, it's all smoke. Life is smoke. And so uh, there's not uh, time to kind of explain the pathways of the different translations of Scripture uh, this morning and uh, the challenges of the early century uh, church in spreading the gospel, but to say that they all served a purpose in spreading the gospel. Every translation that's ever been written served a purpose in spreading the gospel to the generation that it was written in. And uh, that's important uh, to note uh, as we're translating and looking at uh, these different interpretations of God's word. But this morning I'm taking uh, the new the New King James Version, as it's translated, because I believe the terminology uh, that the New King, J King James gives us helps us to understand uh, more what Solomon was trying to communicate. And so it reads in this verse, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. I've been practicing that all week and it still sounds strange, uh, so I don't know how it sounds to the ear. The word vanity here... Uh, in the Bible holds a different meaning to the word we understand as vanity in modern English. So here's the word vanity in modern English. It means excessive pride in or admiration of one's own appearance or achievements. Who understands that meaning is the word for vanity? So that's, when I read vanity, that's what I think of. 
uh, excessive pride, not, not that I'm in vain and that's how I understand it, but that's because I understand. That's the meaning I understand. Excessive pride, admiration for one's own appearance or achievement. And so I want to touch on this because if, if we read these passages uh, based on our understanding of the English meanings of the word vanity or meaningless or smoke, uh, then I think the danger is that we can misunderstand what Solomon's main point is or misunderstand what Solomon is trying to say. So the word vanity appears 33 times in the New King James Version. 31 of those times is in the book of Ecclesiastes. And so as we break down the meaning of um, this word as it pertains to the New King James, I believe that you can apply that same meaning to your other translations where it says meaningless or where it says smoke. Because the word vanity means breath. So everyone take a breath. Now the word vanity is also used, uh, is also translated as vapor. That was a quick breath, by the way. So like, apparently, if, uh, apparently a breath is three seconds. And at three seconds per breath, we breathe about 28 and a half thousand times a day. Uh, just a nice little fact for you. I don't know how I calculated that, but I'm sure someone will go away and check it. But I'm pretty sure that's correct. I calculated that in my head. Uh, the word vanity is also translated as vapor, which is like a thin, smoky substance uh, that's suspended in the air. So you know, you know when you're kind of sitting in front of a car and all the smoke comes out of the front seat because you've got someone who's been good and learning to give up smoking, and they've got these vapor machine things. And then you see the smoke come out, and then all of a sudden the smoke's gone. Uh, that's the word, uh, that's what the word vanity means. And so the verse is speaking of life as something that is quickly passing. Something that is quickly passing. Your breath lasts three to five seconds, a vapor vanishes in just as much in just uh, as quick a time, and it's here one second, and then it's gone the next. You know Psalm ninety verse four. It says, "For you, speaking of for God, a thousand years are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours." So in eternity's eyes, life is but vanity. It's but a quick passing moment. And so your first point this morning, if you're taking notes, is that life under the sun passes quickly. So Solomon is getting us to realize here that life is fleeting that it's a temporary thing, uh, that, um, that it's, it's gone, it's quick. And because of the amount of times that the term is used in Ecclesiastes, uh, it's one of the key thoughts to keep in mind as we go throughout uh, this series. And so I've got an application here for you 
uh, this morning to also write down. Knowing that vanity speaks of how quickly things pass. Knowing how quickly, how vanity speaks of how quickly things pass. Here's the application. Take a fresh look at your investments of time, relationships, work, energy, and finances through the lens of its eternal impact. Who's ever thought of their investments in that way before? Who's thought of how they spend their time in view of the impact that it has on people's eternity? If life under the sun is passing us so quickly, how is your life and its investments impacting people's eternity? Moving on to the next verse, Ecclesiastes 1, verse 3. It says, What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? That word toil is also translated uh, as labor, so in which he labors under the sun. And so the word labor here carries uh, a negative connotation, and it's referring to all the activities requiring uh, physical exertion. So it's, think, it's talking about all the activity that requires your effort, that requires you um, to give of yourself. And I would say uh, and add to that that in this day and age, day, day and age uh, especially that we could add the activities that give an exertion of your mental capacity. Activities that mentally drain you. And so your second point this morning, and we've got two very quick points because these two verses are, are key um, to the rest of the book. And your second point this morning is that life under the sun will take from you. Life under the sun will take from you. And so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, but because the question uh, being asked here is about labor and about the exertion of physical activity, um, it's asking the question, well, what's left? What profit has a man for his labor? What's left? After all, after all that you've spent physically, after you've spent your physical energy, after you've spent uh, mentally, mental energy, after you've spent to cover all your expenses, all your bills, everything that you've earned, when that's all gone, what profit is left for you? And then another question that I thought of was what has it achieved? after we've spent everything we have to, what's left for us and what that's left with us, what does that achieve and has it achieved? Especially in light of the previous verse that points out how temporary and how quickly life goes by. In light of this book that points out just how meaningless life can seem here on earth. But is what we left with, is it meaningful? Or are we left with something that 
disappears. You know, in this verse, we're also introduced to the phrase under the sun. Another key phrase in Ecclesiastes. So this one appears 30 times uh, in the Bible, and 27 of those are in this book. And the, the phrase under the sun is synonymous uh, with uh, the phrase under heaven, which we also see used uh, in Ecclesiastes. And it's the writer's way of referring to the life that's lived on earth. It's the writer's way of referring to this temporal life, to this vanity of a life uh, that is moving so quickly. The phrase also refers to a life that fails to honor God and is filled with pain, toil, disillusionment, that is filled with sadness, that is filled with hopelessness. Life under the sun is referring to that life. It's, refer- it's referring to this earth that is broken. It's referring to a humanity that is broken and that is lost. In contrast to living a life in the hand of God and under the hands of God. A life that's filled with grace, a life that's filled with mercy, a life that's filled uh, with love, with peace, and a life which leads to joy and to the empowering of God. And so in reading Ecclesiastes, we have these two uh, contrasting outlooks on life. Uh, We have life under the sun, which is the pursuit of self-fulfillment and the pursuit of Stuff and the pursuit of happiness from this world, uh, which is the burdensome question that this book aims to address right throughout it and in the coming chapters. And then we have life in the hand of God, life under the anointing of God, life that is led and is obedient to God, uh, which is also touched on um, in the following chapters. And so, With life under the sun that will take from you, here's an application that you can take away for this week. Knowing that everything under the sun is vanity and meaningless. The application is how are you learning to live in and under the hand of God? How are you learning to live in the hand of God. You know, as we grow up as kids, we're learning all the time. Kids are learning new things. Uh, Kids are learning the newest thing. Uh, Some kids probably know more about technology than we do. Um, But all the time as they're growing up, kids are learning. And God is always teaching. And I believe that it's the same with our relationship with God, that we should always be learning, that we should always be growing, because He is always teaching. And so we should grow, uh, and so uh, we should be growing and learning uh, to live in the hand of God. Does that make sense this morning? Because life in the hand of God doesn't take away It adds to. Life in the hands of God does not take away. It adds to your life. 
And so in Ecclesiastes 1 verse 4, we read, One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. Reinforcing again the point that our human life is temporary and reminding us of God's eternal attribute. Because only God is eternal in in the fullest sense. But compared to our lives uh, here on earth, the earth and creation uh, abides throughout existence with little change. And uh, Solomon touches on this uh, in the following verses from verse five, uh, to s- verses 5 to 7 where he mentions that the sun also rises and the sun goes down. The wind whirls about continually and comes, a- comes again in its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea and to the place from which the rivers came, they return again. All this stuff happened for generations before us and it's all going to happen for generations after us. But the things on earth have lasted through the generations. One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. And he continues to point out how uh, the things in life that we believe can fulfill our desires and purpose are impossible to grab onto. And he points out how they won't satisfy us because they're here one minute and gone like vanity. And so Ecclesiastes 1.14, Solomon writes, I have seen all the works that, have got, that, are got, that are done under the sun, and indeed all is vanity and grasping for the wind. The phrase grasping for the wind doesn't occur in the Hebrew Bible outside of Ecclesiastes. And seven of the nine times that it appears in Ecclesiastes, it follows the vanity statements. Again, emphasizing the life, again, emphasizing life um, according to how Solomon saw it. And then he writes in Ecclesiastes 1.15, What is crooked cannot be straight, but what is lacking cannot be numbered. It takes a bit of thought, that verse. Do you know, I don't believe that that Solomon is claiming that there's no point in trying to fix or change anything. I believe that that Solomon is stating that there's no amount of human knowledge, there's no amount of human resource on earth that can straighten out something which is broken or crooked because we live in a sinful world. That can fix something that is twisted or perverted in life under the sun. You know, in Isaiah, we read in chapter 24, verse 19, that the earth is violently broken. The earth is split open. The earth is shaken exceedingly. In that same chapter, we read about how man is broken. 
on this earth, things are not the way God intended them to be when he created it. And so what is broken on earth, what is broken on the earth and what is broken in humanity, uh, what is corrupted because of sin, cannot be made straight by man. But God provided mankind with the only way for saving ourselves from the vanity of the meaningless of life under the sun. And his name is Jesus. He provided us the way to peace. And so Solomon goes on to write about his greatness uh, and his wisdom uh, in the coming verses. And in the last verse of this chapter, he writes, For in much wisdom is much grief, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Now for all wisdom's advantages, uh, Solomon's confession in this verse is that much wisdom and learning are a source of of pain. Now the more we understand, the more understanding, the more wisdom, the more knowledge that we gain about something or someone, the more our heart grows for that area or for that person. Ask a missionary how much more their heart and their pain grows for a nation who they've gone into, for a nation that they've grown more knowledge about. Ask the guys who have gone into Onipoto. Ask Abraham, Kyle, Erica, who have gone in when the kids are there, who have seen what the school has to go through. Ask us about the pain that we get when all of a sudden we learn and we see and we gain wisdom about what's going on in an area, in a family, in a society. Many of you may have experienced that. That the more we begin to understand something, the more wisdom and knowledge we gain about something or someone, the more our heart grows for them. And that's always something to grapple with because it also means that it's the more we care about them. It also means it's the more our heart breaks for them. And this is the grief and the sorrow that I believe Solomon is sharing about here in this verse. And so as we close this morning, now the book of Ecclesiastes asks questions about the meaning of life. From a king who had power, who had fame, who had money, who had women. I think he had hundreds of wives or something. I don't know how to cope. I had woman. From a king who could have anything he wanted in that day. 
and a king who tested out life with God and he also tested out what life was going to be like or what life could be like without God and saw that life under the sun was like a vapour quickly passing and life without God held no real profit whatsoever. So take a fresh look at your life through the lens of eternal impact. See what you'll find this week. And keep learning to live in and under the hand of God. Again, if I can encourage you, uh, get along to the rest of the series and catch the messages firsthand. I hope that today I've been able to lay a foundation for what's to come, give you some things to keep in mind as we talk about meaningless vanity, as we talk about life under the sun, life under heaven. Hopefully you've got some questions to challenge you as you go from this place this morning. Come on, let's stand and just close uh, as I pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, I pray that Lord, your Holy Spirit will just continue to move in our hearts throughout the week. Father, I pray that you will continue to challenge us in the way we outwork our lives, in the way we invest our time, our finances, our energy. Father, that we might be able to see it through your eyes. Lord, that we may be able to find in it eternal purpose. Father, that we may be able to grow, Lord, in our relationship with you and in our relationship with others. That we might be able to grow in our knowledge of what it means to live under the hand of God, being led by God. Being challenged by the Holy Spirit. And God, as you do that, I pray that you will give us an increase of courage. Father, an increase of your strength. Lord, to be able to step out, to bring glory to you through all that we do. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.